Welcome to the award-winning productivity podcast, The Motivation Mindset. Learn to get stuff done without all the stress in these coffee break-sized episodes that can help you tune up your daily mindset. And now, here's your host, Risa Williams. I'm Risa Williams, and this is The Motivation Mindset. And today we have a special segment of the show called The Brain Boost, where I break down neuroscience nuggets for you and answer questions from listeners of the show. Joining me today as co-host is my friend and fellow therapist, Erica Curtis, who will help me answer questions as well as provide some brain-boosting tips of her own. Thanks, everyone out there, for joining me for another Brain Boost episode with my special guest host, Erica Curtis. She's here today to talk about visualization with me. So welcome, Erica, to the show. Hi, Risa. It's good to be here again. So visualization, I wanted to talk about this. I use a lot of visualization tools with clients and in my books. I think it's such an important part of how we use our brains. But when I say the word visualization, people often picture something like they have to sit there and conjure up images. And what I want to to reframe that to people, you're already visualizing things all the time. And this is where people don't really think about it. Like you are picturing things in your head all the time. And when I say visualization to people, I just want them to become more mindful of what they're already picturing in their heads and how we can start to shift this gradually over time. So in my experience, we tend to use our imaginations as a way to picture negative outcomes a lot and negative things we've done in the past. So I have a tool called the Instant Replay Tool in my new book, The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit, which is all about this idea. What mental movies are you replaying in your head over and over again? And one example I give is like something embarrassing happened to you in high school. Do you spend so much of your mental space picturing that one scene over and over and over again, almost like you're rewinding a disaster movie that you show yourself constantly. Mm -hmm. And then what I want you to think about is how does that affect your self-esteem? How does that affect the way you feel about yourself when that is the one movie you're choosing to replay in your head? And often when I talk to people, they'll say, well, yeah, I do that all the time. Usually as I'm drifting off into sleep, I'm lying in bed, staring at a wall, thinking of all these cringeworthy moments <laughs> from my past, playing these disaster movies. And I want you to start to think that you may have some control over this. You may be able to shift the types of things you're playing each day in your head and also use your imagination more deliberately to picture more delightful things in the future instead of more disasters. And as adults, we tend to lose this ability that we had as kids. When we were kids, we used our imagination in this way. Many of us did. A lot of the time to picture fun things we wanted to do, fun experiences we wanted to have. And as adults, what I tend to hear from people is they're picturing either negative things that happened in the past or negative problems they're going to have in the future. Like mm. they're picturing imaginary arguments they're maybe never going to have in reality, you know, with their coworkers or with someone next door. And they're spending all of their mental space picturing these things that may or may not ever actually happen. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of really important points, Risa. You know, one being that I think it's useful to differentiate between guided visualizations, right? Like you were saying, a lot of people think about visualization as, 
you know, creating a quiet environment and listening to somebody on the, yeah. you know, on our phone that we're playing. Like tell you a nice story Why for an nice hour. Story, right? Walking through the yeah. magical castle or walking down the staircase and you see a door and you open the door and, and, and those can be really helpful for things like creating a relaxed state of mind. Um, yeah. If they work for you, sometimes those guided visualizations, though, um, don't really match up with what might be relaxing for the individual listening, or even yeah. just person's voice might not be comforting or soothing. Yeah. Sometimes and, you can't focus for more than 30 seconds, and then yeah. you're drifting off into worries and that's as exactly someone's telling right. you a nice story in the background. <laughs> We've all been there. That's exactly right. And so I think that's a really important first point that, you know, it's not that you're doing it wrong. And so sometimes coming up with your own imagery um, or your own story can be more effective in situations like that than listening to sort of a pre-recorded. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that visualization might not come easily for a lot of people out there. We've trained our brains in a way that we are picturing negative or uncomfortable things throughout the day. So just saying to your brain, I need you to go picture a happy memory or picture a happy thing in the future. It doesn't just click automatically. It takes a little work, you know, to get your brain on board (laughs) with this process. And some people do really well when they're writing it out. Like I will say, write out a future positive scene you want to envision and, you know, kind of walk them through a journaling prompt then they'll be able to tap into it. Other people, like we were saying, can listen to it and they can get their brain to go there. It kind of just depends on what your brain likes to do and what feels easy and fun for you to do. So sometimes if you just tell someone, go picture a happy memory, they'll just lie in bed and all they can think of are unhappy memories. That's right. right. That's right. Well, especially when you think about it, what why are we thinking about these unpleasant things? It's because the 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 mind is trying to protect us. It's trying to mm-hmm. prevent future similar negative situations or it's trying to rehearse to prevent some like you said recent negative situation that might not even ever happen. Um and so if we also offer some kindness and compassion towards our human brains for trying to <laughs> help us out for trying to change them a little bit from the programming that we have. Right. right. And it's going to take some time and some soothing and some encouragement to say, Hey brain, you have practiced mentally rehearsing a lot of negative outcomes as a way to protect yourself. We can practice maybe rehearsing some neutral outcomes or maybe rehearsing some calming outcomes or some pleasant ones. You know, we have to do these in small doses so that our brain can get there in big doses. Later, it's all about forming those neural pathways one little step at a time for yourself. That's right. And you hear us talking to the brain. And I think, Risa, you would agree with me. We actually advise that you talk to your brain. (laughs) Right. Like actually say, thank you, thoughts. Thank you, brain. Thank you, brain, for trying. (laughs) Because what that actually does, as silly as it might say, and you don't have to do it out loud, you can do it in your own mind. (laughs) Probably say it in your own head. Thank you, brain. Um, (laughs) But it actually, what that does is it helps to give us some distance. It actually personifies the brain. It's like we're talking. 
else. So then we don't feel so trapped in those thoughts and so trapped. So even just that practice of what we would call externalizing or objectifying or personifying, right? It's creating an object. Now the brain is something else. And so now we can feel a little distance between those negative thoughts, those negative visualizations um, and ourselves. And that gives us a little bit more space to then think more creatively and make some choices about either what we want to add to that picture, um, how to neutralize it, um, which could be, for example, I mean, I'll give an example right now. Like if you're thinking about something in the past, usually the brain will replay just the negative part, the most cringeworthy part. The memory did end. Life went on, right? You left and you went home and then you had a snack or then you ran into a friend later or then you, right? There's more to the movie usually than our brain is replaying. We're just playing a 10 second clip of the worst possible thing. Like you spilled soda all over yourself. Now we're just replaying that. Everyone's laughing. There were other things that happened that day, you know? That's right. So one visualization strategy that you can use is to play the whole movie, right? Instead of one event is to ask your brain, okay, we'll keep going now. Let's finish it. There's actually research about um, when when a song is stuck in your head, right? And it keeps looping on the same verse over and over again. Now, they've done some studies where if you play the whole song to the end of the song or you sing in your mind all the way to the end, the brain stops looping on it because yeah. of illusion. And the same applies for visualization. If we're thinking about um, a memory, even if it was just earlier in the day, it doesn't have to be from long ago. If we play it through and say, and then it ended, <laughs> right? And the movie ended and we went on and the characters continued on with their lives, then the yeah. mind just stop looping on that memory. It's stretching your time perspective because our brain will get stuck in like a time loop like that. Mm -hmm. So what I often say to people, like, let's say somebody's stuck. I use this example in my book on, you know, they, they broke up with someone and that conversation's haunting them. They keep replaying that same breakup scene over and over again. One way to get out of that loop is to think, where do I see myself in six months from now? Why don't I write out a scene where six months from now, I'm feeling a lot better about this breakup. I'm feeling like I can do whatever I want now. I don't have to ask so-and-so for permission. I can book this trip. I can do whatever and write it out, but focus on what you want to be feeling because that's the key to getting yourself there emotionally. Mm-hmm. Isn't so much like I see myself on a beach. Okay, that's just an image. But how am I feeling in this picture? Well, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling relieved. I'm feeling soothed. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling like confident. Already, as we're saying those emotions, our brain is feeling those emotions. So again, our brain can't tell the difference really in like, I'm picturing this six months from now and it's imaginary. If I talk myself into the emotional state I want to get to, my brain will start feeling those emotions now. I'll get a little boost of that now. It's a trick you can play with your brain. We do the exact opposite of this usually. I'm seeing myself in six months and I'm still thinking about this breakup conversation and I'm miserable and I'm mad. And now our brain's all worked up with those. Never going to get over it. Yeah. Your brain's like, okay, you never want to get over it. It, right. <laughs> it takes it literally, right? That's, that's like right. tell your brain where you want it to go. If that's all you can accomplish in a very short 10 second visualization, that's great because we're emotionally shifting our way over there a little right. bit at a time. 
Well, and you're really talking about the power that is visualization because it's accessing a sensory experience. We're not just thinking about it any longer, but when we bring in more sensory experiences associated with, for example, a goal in the future or wish for the future, then it really starts to change not only our mind, but how our body responds, right? And so what happens is we're giving cues to the entire nervous system that uh, we're going to be okay. And we actually start to feel calmer, for example, or if with take athletes, for example, that we're going to feel energized and motivated and, and really harness that energy. And we can activate the body that in a positive mobilized way, but we're actually changing, not just our thoughts, but how our whole body feels. Our um, physical state is altered state from is, our thoughts. That's right. Yeah. Because we're accessing sensory material. And some people can even activate while they're doing a visual visualization, right? That they yeah. can also kind of access a sense memory of smells and sounds and and touch that's associated with that image. And so when we can bring in all that sense memory, then our nervous system really comes on board and says, oh, we're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah. So I have a study that said researchers at York University had participants practice visualizing a future scene where current issues were resolved and then instructed participants to imagine giving themselves advice on how to get there. This resulted in significant increases in happiness observable six months later and significant decreases in depression sustained up to three months just from doing this one visualization exercise. In this case, they had people journal about it. So they said, okay, something's bothering you now. Let's say my car isn't working so well. Well, what is a future scene where I'm driving a new car and everything's working and I'm feeling great about my commute now because I'm not worried about my car breaking down? Now give yourself advice, invite your future self and say, how will I get this car? What steps do I need to take to get there and write it out on paper? This makes you feel empowered. And again, it's training your brain to see this as, okay, this is a problem you want me to solve. I'm going to go on board with this and I'm going to map out steps and picture it as if it's happening. This is what gave people that increase of happy feelings Mm -hmm. that they had. And what was impressive about this study to me was that just doing this one exercise, people's moods were happier overall for six months later. What I hear may have been going on in this study also is that they started with something that I imagine was sort of a reassuring or calming emotional experience by picturing the future. And when Mm -hmm. we feel more reassured, when we feel more you know, calm or even neutral, we have better access to our problem solving skills. So we can picture something positive happening in the future. The nervous system calms down a little bit. Now the thinking brain comes online more fully so that we can really access our problem solving skills. And then we can mentally rehearse taking those steps to really um, create more reassurance that I can do it right? And more positive affect that this is doable. I can chunk it down. I can take things one at a time and I can achieve this, this goal. Um, So there's a lot of really interesting components. And I think even that idea is important for people to understand that if we're in a heightened state of agitation, it's really hard 
to come up with a plan to address whatever we're agitated about. So when we use visualization to either relax or to picture a preferred goal or outcome to um, decrease our anxiety about an upcoming event um, by, you know, maybe playing through if you have like performance anxiety, you know, stage fright, maybe you have to give a, a, a talk in front of a group at a meeting or something like that, that if we run through it visually in a preferred state, right? And mm-hmm. that's sort of taking some, even some calming breaths while we're visualizing it, we're starting to teach the body to be calm as we're picturing this scenario, right? And then we can run through it like that. Once we do that, then we have more access to our problem-solving skills. And then we yeah. can with a strategic plan, which might be, oh, I hadn't even thought about the fact that maybe I'd feel better about my meeting if I have this you know, preferred breakfast in the morning. Or um, you know what? Actually, I'd feel better prepared for the meeting if I... Um, consulted with this colleague first. I hadn't even thought of that, right? And right. so I think that people start to come up with a lot of creative problem-solving ideas once they've done some visualization because um, they're starting to feel a little bit better. As you're saying that, I'm realizing how much of it comes from regulating your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So we can't, it's like that quote, you can't solve a problem from the same mind that created the problem. Uh, that's, that. that's what people are talking about with that quote is, you have to bring the stress down first. Mm-hmm. You have to get to a calmer state. So often when we're anxious and overwhelmed, like, oh, I have to give this presentation tomorrow. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We're not in the right mindset to even access the visualization part of our brain. Right. What you need to do first is bring the stress down. Say, okay, in an hour, I'm going to let my stress come down. I'm going to do something fun. going to check out for a little while. And then I'm going to come to the visualization and really try to tap into that problem solving part of my brain, because then my nervous system won't feel hijacked. Right now, I'm in that frozen state where everything feels impossible. And so when we're talking about things that go wrong with visualization, it's often the timing of it that you're choosing to try to forge forward with picturing happy thoughts when you're stuck, you're feeling that paralysis of your nervous system just freezing up on you from overwhelm. Yeah. And sometimes in times like that, it can be helpful to do a much, much simpler visualization. So, so far we've been yeah. just being like visualizing events, visualizing places, visualizing how we feel in those places. But when we're feeling so overwhelmed and either activated or shut down, and like you're saying, Risa, that sort of more freeze frozen space, um, that, for example, just visualizing a soothing color, right? Right. Um, and I actually have an activity um, in my book, Art Therapy Activities for Kids, um, where you can do this for yourself. You can teach children to do this. Um, that has to do with um, actually mixing paints to create soothing colors so that then when you need it and you're under stress, then you have those colors available and you can look at them and say, that's the soothing color I want to picture. And you can picture it sort of, you know, going through your body. You can picture it as a light coming through the top of your head or like paint, you know, sort of covering everything. For kids, it's helpful to have something very tangible where they can say, you know, I see that color. I can point to the color. That's the color I want to picture. For a lot of adults, they can just conjure up a color. And I do this in my sessions a lot with clients where I'll say, let's just take a moment. And I'm just wondering 
if there were a color that was soothing or comforting in this moment, it could be your favorite color or not. It can just come to you randomly. What would it be? And oftentimes if people allow themselves to tap into that creativity, they'll see a color and then we can use that color and say, okay, let's just take a moment and picture that color. Let's picture the color. Yeah. And then they start to relax. And then we can start going into some more complicated um, or detailed. I don't want to say complicated, but detailed visualizations, if that would be helpful. Right. So a rule of thumb to anyone listening would be to start with a more general visualization, a calming down, warm-up visualization, and then move more into specific visualizations, because that way we can transition the brain from a stressed out, freaked out place where you don't want to picture the thing to a place where, okay, I can get a little more playful with this. I can tap into that kid imagination I still have as an adult by picturing colors or sounds or playful things. And now I can get into the problem solving parts of my brain. That's right. And even with the general visualizations, like a color, for example, can be very difficult with people. Like we talked about, if there's something that's really distressing, the mind might keep wandering over to that distressing thought, image, yeah. memory, future memory. Yeah. Um, like, like we've already made a memory of something that hasn't even happened. So then we can start to integrate, right? Because if the mind is insisting that we think about this other distressing thing, we can take that calming or soothing color, for example, and we can use our imagination to bring it into that scene, the distressing right. scene. To, so to bring now, it down. That's right. So we might, yeah. so rather than fighting against it and getting frustrated because you can't focus on the calming color, let's say, well, let's bring them together. And maybe that color is coming in as a mist, or maybe that color is sort of soothing the picture. Um, we can put, for example, the memory or future memory on a screen, like a handheld device. Uh, yeah. And maybe it keeps going to a screensaver. That's your soothing color in your imagination, right? So yeah. you start to integrate the more soothing imagery with that distressing imagery as well. I love that. A lot of the tools I learned that are similar to that come from NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And they have ideas where they'll say, okay, well, picture the thing that's upsetting you you know, this upsetting memory, let's say you had a bad meeting and you blurred something out and you're embarrassed, you're going to picture it like a photo. And then you're going to change the photo to a black and white. You're going to take all the color out of the photo. Yeah. And now you're going to put the photo in an album and close the album. Yeah. So you can play with stuff. You can take the color away. You can do other tricks like shrink it down to it's like so tiny and minuscule. And then you put a calming color all around it. You can play with these ideas. Our brains are so good at playing around with visuals, but we don't give ourselves enough tools sometimes to do this and stuff yeah, like this. Like you were saying, Risa, I think a lot of us did this naturally as children, you know, in my yeah. innovative parent raising connected, happy, successful kids through art. I even share an anecdote from my own childhood when, you know, I used to lie in bed, sort of af afraid of the monsters. Um, and I would visualize these um, shields one at a time and, and each shield was different. You know, one shield had spikes. So if the monsters tried to get me that they would, you know, get hurt by the spikes and then the next shield would be made out of rubber. And so if they tried to get me, they'd bounce off the rubber. And, you know, and so I talk about some strategies yeah. in, in the Innovative Parent book that you can use 
for children, but we can use these as adults as well, which has to do with picturing, you know, ways that we're going to protect ourselves, even if it seems silly, even if it seems, you know, I mean, as a child, I really probably did believe that I was creating these magical shields and the monsters weren't going to be able to. But the reality is, is if we imagine these kind of like fantasy types of um, protective um, features or um, or even funny features, right? We can bring in something silly using the imagination or all of those wonderful examples you just gave, Risa, in terms of changing the picture, um, yeah. that it does change how we feel about it. It changes how the nervous system responds to it. And so suddenly it doesn't have the same emotional charge it did before. I did the same thing when I was a kid. I used to picture like a sanctuary, like a safe haven hut that had a bubble around it that protected me. And maybe it was something I saw on like a Saturday morning cartoon, but it was that idea that I could put a shield around myself. Like you're saying, there's no reason you can't picture that now when you're walking into that work meeting, you're really nervous about, you can put that same shield around you in your head, whatever gets you feeling playful, maybe makes you laugh a little bit. We are now shifting out of the anxious part of our brain and we're going into the more playful, you know, sillier side of our brain, which can be really helpful to bring the stress and anxiety down. So even people Mm -hmm. who can't visualize, if you think in terms of, well, can I, can I picture this or can I picture the word in some way that makes sense to me? And a lot of times people can get a sense of it. So, well, yeah, I can think of that word. I can think of the word calm, for example, and I can think about going into my work meeting and I can think about the word calm. And then what I'll invite them to do is get a sense of the word calm emotionally. So would that be kind of playing with the font of the word calm or changing color, the size? And again, even if they can't visualize it, they can usually get a sort of felt sense of, yeah, the word calm is in cursive and it has sparkles around it. And, <laughs> right, right. and so that sometimes helps as a link too. If people are listening to this and go, well, like, I don't, I don't know how to visualize. I can't visualize that you can work with the way that your brain works to use yeah. that we're talking about. Some people do better drawing it out for themselves on paper or mm-hmm. like writing the word calm, circling it in colors, making some kind of visual map for yourself that your brain understands or cutting out stuff from magazines, putting it on a wall, having grounding images that you take a photo when you were in France and looking at beautiful things and you post it above your computer and you look at it thinking, I'm going to connect with this and feel calm. I'm going to remember this feeling as a good memory, as something that comforts me. You can do all sorts of things with things outside of your brain that do the same basic thing that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can make it more tangible. So as a takeaway, I just wanted to leave you with a little journaling exercise that you can try. It's called the inspiration book from the ultimate self-esteem toolkit. That is throughout your day, can you collect little moments that happen and just write them down in a journal that inspired you, that made you feel delighted, that was something funny, like Erica made me laugh today, I'm going to write that in a journal, or I saw this really beautiful painting somewhere, I'm going to write it down. And it's just quick notes. And then at the end of your day, before you're falling asleep, can you read that list and try to connect with those little happy blips a little bit more? Yeah. And I think that if it's something that recently happened, right, we're talking Mm -hmm. about practicing visualization, that you can select one of those 
events, micro events, mini events, right? Yeah, tiny, uh, tiny little blips. Tiny you know? little blips, right? Tiny little, we I call them glimmers, right? Um, yeah. Day that you can select one of those and maybe use that as a restful sort of visualization as you're um, preparing for sleep. So if you're ready to um, lay in bed and close your eyes, if that's comfortable for you, that you can pick one of those little happy blips or glimmers, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. We play it because it's fresh. It's still fresh in your mind. It's, it's fresh and you're teaching your brain how to do it. So I hope this has inspired some of you to try a few new tools. And thank you, Erica, so much again for all your helpful advice today. You are so welcome. And I'll just say one last thing because there are so many helpful tools. Just pick one. Try it today, right? Maybe re-listen to the podcast if you want to and say, okay, now I'm really going to think about one one of these tools that I'm going to practice today, because I know you say this too, Risa, because if you don't use it, the tools don't work. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Erica. So Have a good rest yeah, of your day. Care. All right. Bye-bye. To learn more about tools discussed on the show, please visit RisaWilliams.com and click on podcast. And be sure to pick up a copy of my newest book, The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit. 25 tools to boost confidence, achieve goals, and find happiness. And check out Erica's book, Art Therapy Activities for Kids. I'm Risa Williams, and we're out of time. Thanks for listening.